Welcome to Pointed Questions. My name is Brent Weinbach. With me is Donnie Devanian. Our guest today is composer and sound designer Brian Sherman. We will be talking to him about sounds and the music inside of them on this episode of Pointed Questions. When you hear the startup sound of a Macintosh, that's the kind of stuff that you create. Yes. Okay, got it. <laughs> the, the sounds you hear on yeah. devices, the sounds you hear at a kiosk, the sounds you hear at your ATM, the sounds when you open an app, those are the type of sounds Ooh. that we're talking about. What about when, you're, when your AirPods are running out of battery, you know that sound? Exactly, those are, those are exactly those type of sounds. So what do you do exactly? My role, of, I have two roles at the company that I work for called Man Made Music. So my Com- composer and designer. Those are some aspects of what I do, but the the role is VP lead music producer on mm-hmm. one side, and that's kind of like for what we would say like long form music or thematic music, and then director of sonic design is my other title. Uh huh, and that is the more unique position of the two. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what is that? Director of sonic design. This is also like a made up term that I made up. So it's, you know, there's not like a defined, that's not necessarily true, but there's not like a defined um, explanation of that role. But to in, in my company, Director of Sonic Design is tasked with sort of overseeing architecture of sounds. So, so you design sounds. I do design sounds as a sound designer, but in my role of Director of Sonic Design, I produce sounds that are created by other sound designers to create systems of sounds for <laughs> products, platforms, things like that. And along with just sounds, you're also producing micro pieces of music or micro jingles. No? Sort of, yes. I, I, I at one point coined uh, miniature composition was sort of a thing that was on a video and people thought that was great. But yeah, the, you would, I would say that sound design or user interface sounds, or in our world, we call it brand navigation sounds. So they're branded versions of UI sounds are like little miniature compositions they are there is some musicality to them definitely but but you also do sort of less musical and more just tones as well i wouldn't actually make a distinction there's in in the world of brand navigations other user interface sounds you may use a melodic component so it might have melody it might have a chord but it also might be gestural as we would say sort of like something that doesn't have a defined pitch or melody but has let's call them sound design elements that would give you a gesture. What, what do you mean by gesture? So if I was doing, and we, we also create these and we would call it like a palette. So if there was a palette of sounds, they would have sort of a consistent color to all of them. Use a lot of like visual analogies here, but it's sort of like a gesture might be something where I'm trying to connote a lock sound and it's not a real lock. It's a lock that's on a, on a screen. So we're sort of like want to connote secure, but I don't really necessarily need notes for that. So it might just be sort of like a Something that sort of yes. has a oh, so sound effects. A sound, yeah. Sound design and sound effects are basically <laughs> the same thing in this world, but yeah, that would be sort of like the way to approach it. But that said, I could also do that same sound with some melodic component, which would have sort of like a, a little different connotation. Or if we wanted to add another bit of sound design to maybe have it sound like a purchase, because you want purchase to be secure, so it might be like a secure transaction might have other pieces to it. How are you a producer and not the designer? 
What do you, what do you do as a producer? Well, like I, I mean, on, like I said, I'm both. So there are there are jobs where I have been the designer of the sounds themselves. So mm -hmm. like I'm sitting there in Pro Tools and creating sounds. Okay, hold on a second. What is an example of a sound <laughs> in this context? <laughs> in this okay. context. Um, the you most, know, uh, in the in the world, the, the yeah. most common sound that I think most people would relate to mm -hmm. as a feedback sound would be you send an email through Apple Mail and it goes whoosh, okay. and it gives you a swish. So that's mm. sort of a intuitive, and I would also say an iconic branded sound that lets you know as the user that an email has been sent. So that is an example of a user interface sound. What's an example of one that's less like a sound effect and more like a Just melody? Sure. Well, well, that's a gesture. Sorry, sorry. No, that's ahead. a gesture. That would be more of a gesture. That's true. So the the, the email sent is, is very much a gesture. It's okay. sort of like that's it's you could. I'm actually doing this with my hand right now right, to right, show right. like sending out. So yeah. it's sort of like it has like that gesture through sound design. Another place uh, would be navigation through something like a streaming platform. So I've, I've I've built sounds for several streaming platforms, and you use melody to say when you're going up through a menu, down and then is sort of side. So you've got up, down, and side, and you're using melody and you're using notes. Even if people don't understand music, huh. they don't have to, but they naturally intuit that that's going up, that's going down, and that's going side. Apple TV is one of those products that kind of does this the best. Mm. Uh-huh. And w now what about, do you, do you compose jingles as well for things? Little mini jingles. Well, you said miniature compositions. The jingles is misleading to me because jingle is sort of like, they're, the the idea of a jingle is usually tied to some sort of tagline or phrase and that becomes sort of like Wayfair, you've got just what I need is a jingle to me. That has sort of okay, like a hook. Okay, well something, say something that doesn't usually have words or for example, um, ringtones. Sure. Uh, the the iPhone ringtone. Or what was the classic Nokia one? Dun, 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 or, uh, dun, dun, you just uh, called out Intel actually. Oh no, that's Intel, yeah. Which, that's is, Intel. Yeah, yeah. which is the precursor of what we would now call sort of a sonic identity or, or a sonic logo. Oh, a sonic brand. Yeah, and the, the NBC oh. chimes would be probably the earliest oh, yeah, sort sure. of like, you know, and there are there are three notes. It's five, three, ding, ding, ding. It's that's a, the NBC. It's GEC. Exactly. And General so, Electric Company. And the, and the idea is like, that is the first time they used a <laughs> melodic component to define what we would now call a mnemonic. And a mnemonic is a group of melody notes that sort of becomes iconic. And Intel is another one. Intel, before there was even really this concept of sonic branding, Intel had a mnemonic that they used over and over and over. And through that recognition, people knew that that was Intel. Um, I was lucky enough to work on AT&T, where AT&T, that mnemonic, those four notes of AT&T, has as much recognition these days. What as are those four notes? D-D-E-B. Uh, <laughs> well, think. I mean, what, how does it, what is it? Oh, D-D-E-B. So dun, it's like... Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah. That's like, the AT&T mnemonic. Right. Oh, you hear that when you call them. It? Yeah, he just sang it. Did you help create that? I was part of that. Whoa. that so I was part of two different versions of that. So bef when Man Made started, or when Man Made was moving into Sonic Identity territory, sort of I was on the outside of that as a composer. I had a, I had a track that was sort of in the finals of what would have been the AT&T theme. And from that theme, we cut down this mnemonic. So oh, it doesn't start the minimal, as- Oh, it's, it started as something richer. A or, long form piece of music. It and did. There, and there's, there's a whole reason behind this, and I, I go at length into this, but the short answer is that there are companies out there who are designing what they're calling sonic logos or branding, and they're just having sound designers put some notes and some sound design together. If you do that, you end up with kind of a nothingness. You end up sort of like a, 
we call it just for like a beauty contest. So imagine you go to a client and it's like, here's 200 logos and we're just gonna play through them all. Do you like, do you not like that? The process at Manmade of, if you're taking a long form piece of music, you create a theme. And that theme, it's not much different if you're talking about a movie. You're sort of like creating sort of like melody and, and, and a journey, let's say in a track that's like 60 to 90 seconds. When you start there, you're telling an emotional story. Once you have that part together, then we go into this process of like creating logos. So those are essentially short form edited cut down versions of the track. Mm. So there was a long version of that AT&T. There is, there's a where long version of that. What did it sound where like? Where is it too? Uh, where it, is it and where Most of the time, like? these tracks don't actually live anywhere because the they're brand tracks. So they, right. may, they may be for what we call like an industrial. So like inside the brand, I wrote one for Southwest. Southwest, you only thing you'd ever hear is clap, clap, ding. That's the only thing you hear about the Southwest logo. But there's a beautiful piece of music that we composed behind that. And the only place it's heard is like in a promotional video that they showed their uh, employees. And so they it plucked was... it out of it? Or you guys... Kinda... We, we did that. Yeah, that you was... You plucked, our... plucked it out of it. Yes. What was the... Lo... So you don't... Do you know what... Do you remember what the longer form version of the AT&T one was? Yeah. Uh, what did uh, it sound like? Well, I guess to describe in words, I could, the, the story behind it was like in, in 2010 or 2007. I can't really remember. If you all think back to sort of like iPhone days, early iPhone days, AT&T was the first provider. AT&T was seen as this like network behemoth corporate giant soulless so the when when mammy got involved the idea was to make something that was handmade imperfect so there was a lot of like real instrumentation there was pianos there was like guitars mm. stuff that was like all human played it was actually very i would acoustic -y, folky thing but like a lot of very interesting textures in there there's also like a uh, a bag uh, bagpipes i think in there randomly because okay. that was part of the original composition yeah but that piece of music has a bunch of different sections and the reason you do that is to tell this story is to tell essentially like a brand story yeah pieces of the of that theme end up in different places like if you're writing a theme for a network you might in between shows there's something called a menu and so like up next and you see like all these shows that are happening there's usually a bed that's happening there and that bed is usually a piece of that track but the track in its entirety is almost never really heard out in public. But those notes, dun, 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 dun. Oh, okay, dun, 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 dun. Okay, we're in the longer piece. Yes. Who decided and how did you decide that's what it was gonna be, just those four notes? It's a great question. So you've got like this piece of music, right? And even when we're in the initial phase. And by the way, this piece of music was, what genre would you describe this piece of music? The And it was all, and it felt organic, right? To, yeah. It, it didn't, it didn't, wasn't, because that kind of sounds somewhat synthetic, you know, mm -hmm. the, that, the, the, that way it, the, the way it is now, you know? Yeah. But you're saying it sound, it had a, a handmade feel to it. Yes. Live instruments or whatever. Yeah. So what genre would you say that that longer piece was that had this sort of more organic sound? It, it's really hard to like define, this sounds like a cop out, but it's really hard to define a genre in this world. I mean, would you say that it was... Would you say that it sounded jazzy? I would say jazzy in the way of like... Fusion? No, more like a 70s Joni Mitchell record, how there's sort of like okay. a, a jazz... It was jazz folk. I'd say of. jazz folk would be, okay. it would be the closest Okay, say, so yeah. there was some some jazz folk kind of piece of music that was probably, what, two minutes long or something? Most of these are about a minute and a half. Okay, yeah. and you helped compose that? I did not help compose okay. that. Um, but somehow that was narrowed down to just four notes yeah and okay the, how so the in, <laughs> in in a current job it would be like 
So we we do a, a, a mood board session. It's kind of like a visual session, right? Mm -hmm. So we're playing all these reference tracks of like pieces of music that no one's ever really heard. That helps inform our composers. Composers start writing long form pieces of music. Go into the client, go through all these different tracks. And at that time, we may start cutting what we would call hooks. So there are like little moments that are kind of interesting. Maybe a little fragment of melody here, maybe like in a transition to a new section, maybe at the end of the piece, maybe in the intro. They're just these little fragments that are, that are hooks. They're undeveloped at that point. And so as the process is moving forward with the client, they're starting to recognize what hooks feel iconic. And we're starting to sort of maybe develop those hooks more about like what could actually end up being sort of like the logo. And all of those things are cut from the track. They could be, like I said, a little fragment. They could be actually the long form melody truncated down to just a couple. So somewhere in that piece of music, there was a dun, 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 dun. Exactly. There were there was no vocals on that track, right? There were no vocals on that, and in but, general, there's almost there's yeah. no like lyrics in this world, but mm -hmm. there are vocal textures. Do you happen to know what instrument was playing that melody? There were several different instruments throughout, from what I remember, and it, actually, I think it was like an ostinato, so it was something that was like repeating. Dun, 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 dun. It was kind of like a part that was repeating. Oh, and it was maybe there. Uh, not the lead melody, but maybe some sort of harmony or some, yeah, some sort an of accompanying back, part. Accompanying part, yeah. Basically, that's, yeah. Oh, interesting. So yeah. that's what, what that might have been. And then the team just gravitated towards that. They thought, okay, that can be catchy and that can be that could be an iconic kind of brand. Well, they're, they're using sound. our recommendations too. And as this process is going on, you're getting a lot of input and feedback. Another part to this is also uh, we have a, a strong research component. So there's actually like a, a company we use a lot that gives really interesting um, subconscious research and sort of like reactions oh, to really? not just the music itself, sometimes the logos. It actually works a lot in this in the, the realm that I'm in, which is more of like user interface sounds of intuitiveness. Does this mean up? Does this mean down to someone? Does this mean purchase or not? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a combined process wow. that's going through with Whoa. everybody. So how do they do that? How do they test that stuff? They, the, the company's called Sentient Decision Science. They're amazing. And I was so against research at the beginning because like as a creative, like the last thing you want is like, focus group testing and like uh -huh. people to sort of like do survey work. But what they have developed, which is, is, is crazy, is implicit association testing. So imagine that you're holding your phone and there's an interface and there's a time sort of pressure on you making a decision and there's like a binary choice, like confirm or try again. And so you hear a sound and then you swipe up or down to whatever you think that means. The same thing is true with pieces of music. And the there's a lot more to the methodology that I don't know, I'm not a researcher or a, or a Mm -hmm. neuroscientists but what comes out of this is as opposed to conscious based testing where you're like do you like do you not like and people sort of have answers that they respond to from a very like conscious place should i like this should i not like this by getting this implicit association information you're actually finding out subconscious reactions to stuff and that's the truth that's the truth yeah we're done that's what's up yeah that's what's true. <laughs> so the instrumentation for the final logo ended up being something more electronic-y sounding, right? So, well, not necessarily. Oh. The The logo that's on air right now, was I was a part of because uh, AT&T, several years into working with us, acquired DirecTV. So at now, they're no longer seen as this huge um, telecom behemoth. They're now getting into entertainment. So we wrote another theme, and in this case, like a recolored it, same notes, that the same oh. notes are still there because yeah. that's the equity, that's the yeah. DNA. And now we cut a new logo from that track, which is sort of like a reinvention of those four notes. But the one that when you call AT&T and get put on hold or whatever, yeah. and you hear that that tone, that dun, 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 dun. You're actually probably hearing the new logo. What is, but that? what's the instrumentation on that? 
the many different things. A lot of times in in this world, it's not one instrument. It's usually multiple instruments stacked together, and that's oh. what's creating sort of like a very iconic uh -huh. sound. Because it doesn't sound like what a instruments guitar. do you know? Uh, lots of different stuff. There'd be a synth, a guitar, a piano. You know, maybe like a, a sine wave. Sometimes like a, a piece of sound design. All these things stacked together is really what comes up with such an interesting combined instrument that doesn't sound like one thing. Well, actually, that's not true. It sounds like one thing, but not one thing that you can really identify. Got it. What are some sounds that we might know that you produced? Um, if, if you've used the Disney Now platform yeah. at all, the... I mean did, Disney, not Disney Plus. Not Disney Plus, okay. but Disney Now, which is like before there's Disney Plus, they made Disney Now, which is like their kids app, which was actually really fun because speaking of the way that we work, we had this really fun almost like Disney pop tune and all of the sounds came out of that. So oh, when really? you're navigating, it's like the sound of a shaker because that was like the shaker that was in there. So uh -huh. there's all these really fun ones. There's also little Easter eggs because kids will like grab the app and they'll like hammer on, you know, one category. So as they do that, a little animation appears and we've got some really fun sound design mm, to go uh -huh. along with that. There's a lot of other products and platforms I can't Oh, you're disclose. not allowed to say, It's like yeah. under NDA. Got it. I think I'm cool to say Disney now. I'm gonna hope so. <laughs> we'll talk about that in post. Yes, um, but it, the, let's just say that most there's a lot of financial brands that that we've worked on or produce sounds for. There's a lot of um, streaming platforms, other streaming platforms that are either out or in development that mm -hmm. we've done sounds for, or that I've that I've directly done sounds. Okay, for. what is what is producing entail uh, when you're not d actually doing the designing? It's a it's a balancing act of sort of like. Actually, that's not true. It, it's producing in the sense of what producing used to be like in in the music industry. So the pro, the role of the producer traditionally in like recording music would be someone who had the like overarching vision for the project. So they the producer would bring the band in and kind of help shape the vision of that and kind of like help direct the musicians to play a certain way and might actually be there for pre-production to help them like inform compositions and stuff like that. Okay, so you're kind of the Steve Jobs to the designer being the Steve Wozniak. Uh, sure. Does that <laughs> Although, make sense? Yeah, yeah. There's... I'm trying to think of a better analogy. <laughs> in a, but in a way, yes, because because there's... not As a composer, you're creating in a vacuum. You're, you're not client-facing. So, like, you don't know what the process is. And so when you're... The producer is sort of in between all of these different aspects. You have a brand that you're facilitating a dialogue on with music... And so you're getting back from them all kinds of feedback. And also you have all kinds of um, directions you're trying to, to push forward. Like they want to attain certain metrics or they want to like have certain attributes represented. We really want our brand to feel human or our brand is repositioning itself. and it needs to feel really innovative. So those are those attributes that you're sort of taking in. You're going to a sound designer, giving them all this information. They're building sounds. You're taking in all those sounds. You are trying to like form systems and give them feedback they're making revisions you're showing them to the client clients giving you feedback and going through this mm -hmm. process to to build all the systems after being in this job for a while did it make you a lot more aware of just random sounds in the world that's a great question absolutely to the point of like almost crazy annoyance it's actually much worse designing sound than producing sound in producing sound I'm sitting here on my laptop, someone's delivered me a batch of sounds, I'm banging through them, I'm listening to them making decisions. Building sound is you're so highly focused and tuned on the frequency of every sound, the pitch of every sound, the the transient of every sound, the sort of initial start or your end of it. And so at that point, like 
I remember like I would get up from like doing a bunch of sound design and you like zip up your jacket and you're like really aware of the pitch of your jacket and you go to like reach for the door and like you hear your footsteps and you kind of hear all of these different things oh, a lot more. So you're even wow. paying attention just to the sonic qualities of, of every little, everything, everything uh, organic things. What I was asking really was, do you notice branded sounds and oh, so forth a lot more now? Yeah. Sounds that we might've taken for granted or maybe you might have taken for granted before you know you were working in this field. Maybe. No, absolutely. I think there's, I mean, at this point, I can't have an interaction with a product or an experience without being like really aware of the sounds that it's making and whether I feel like it's consistent or cohesive or not. Yeah, that's a, the other question is, are you now somewhat, I mean, do you have a more critical ear? Definitely. Or? And we, we do also do a lot of auditing. So like in... In my everyday life or in all of our lives where you know, you're confronted with a bunch of sounds anyway. So that's one aspect where I'm getting this, but I'm also aware of what's out there in the market and sort of like critically understanding. It's even worse than that too, because it's not just like understanding kind of where it is. It's like literally knowing how it's made too. So you're sort of like aware of, oh, they're using that splice sample or something. Like, you know, splice is a, an online library of, of sounds and stuff. Like, like that's that. where oh, they started it from? Yeah, or, or so you, you recognize that sample or you, <laughs> right, or you recognize right. the way in which someone would design that. Or, uh, you know. And do you think to yourself, oh, I could have easily done that one. <laughs> not, not necessarily, but it is interesting how, and this is, this is actually another part of my role, is sort of like, if you think about like iconography, I can, I can draw out a check mark. And I can circle that check mark, and I can make that check mark green or blue. I can put all kinds of textures around it, but you know that that's a check mark. You know that mm. that means okay. You know that that means confirm, right? No matter what color I make it or size, you know that. But one thing that we haven't done in this country or the world at all is codify what sounds mean. So there is no like standard what a confirm mean, what a transaction means, what a try again means. At this point, we have a lot of examples because we've sort of started building our own architecture around that. But that doesn't really exist yet. But you, there, it does to some degree, right? Because obviously a uh, means that's wrong. And then a but ding, chip card readers, ding means correct, you know? <laughs> well, you, I, I would agree with you. However, we're still at the place where when you put your credit card in at Trader Joe's, well, actually not Trader Joe's because they actually changed their sounds, but you go to somewhere, you put your card in, and it returns to you, eh, 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 which is an error sound. Right. And it's not an error. Your transaction went through some you know, well-intentioned engineer thought, I need people to remember to grab their card. Uh -huh. So I'm going to use like a really aggressive sound, but it's a terrible user experience. Same thing would be true of like an Amber Alert. So when something like that happens, or like um, years ago when there was that false missile launch to Hawaii, yeah. can you imagine every phone in Hawaii going off with this really obnoxious, like uh, urgent, you know, national urgent sound? That, that sound doesn't compel you to act. It compels you to stop the sound itself. So the same thing happens with like an Amber Alert. You're supposed to be drawn to your phone to like, there's a problem, we need your help in solving it. But the only thing you really want to do is stop this really irritating sound from happening. So we're still in this uh, place. So are these things that you're critical of? You know, for example, thinking, ah, oh, that's not the right kind of sound for this, you know, or something sure. like that. Yeah. And there's times that people get it right too. There's there's beautiful sound designers What are there. some sounds that you really admire? <laughs> that's a great question. Have you come across anything where you thought, or thought wow, it was that great. is great. Like, you're just like, oh my, hats off to you guys. I mean, well, so it, prior to a job that we did with DirecTV, like I mentioned that DirecTV was acquired by AT&T. And at the time we were gonna do this massive job. We ended up doing that massive job and none of it saw the light of day, but that's another story for another time. But in part of that job, we had this really extensive audit. So we essentially, I, I had hired a friend of mine to capture all the sounds from Apple TV, PlayStation, Roku, PS4, basically like everything out there. And at the time it, it's, it became 
really apparent that Apple TV was the best sounding system for several reasons. It uses melody effectively. So when you're going across or moving around, the melody changes or the notes change to let you know that you're on some content or you're not. Mm -hmm. And then you go in a sub menu and all of a sudden it's up an octave. So you even intuitively know I'm inside a menu. I'm not at the main menu. They're also really smooth. And also, if you ever have speakers that are set really wide on the TV, as you move left to right, they're positional. So the sounds will actually move as you're mm. moving left to the left speaker and they'll move to the right speaker. Mm. So Apple is is one of those companies who is doing it really well. I'd also say the, the um, back in the day, if you guys remember the Jawbone Jambox, which was like a, um, a, a Bluetooth speaker. This was like before like mm. all the Bluetooth speaker like explosions. I think I remember that. Um, the the sounds make no sense architecturally. Like they, there's there's a sound for everything. You press up, there's a sound. There's down the Bluetooth pairing. But the sounds themselves are fantastic. Those guys <laughs> did a great job on those sounds. Does Apple have an in-house company that does this stuff, or do they use a company like the one you work at? It's a good question. Um, Apple is notoriously secretive, and and I honestly don't know who produces most of their sound. There was speaking of iOS seven. I used to work for Apple a long time ago. So like in iOS seven, which was when it changed from that skeuomorphic thing of like calendars with torn edges to like a fully graphic interface. They hired, um, I don't know if you guys remember this uh, electronic artist called Owl City. He was kind of popular in hmm. 07 or hmm. 09, I can't yeah. remember. They hired him to do some some sound design. I guarantee that somebody else worked on those sounds, but those were beautiful. Those were like, those were beautifully made sounds. What makes something beautiful? Sound wise, what what I found from the audit, there there's also like there's a lot of characteristics that go into sound as far as like the frequency, the envelope, which is kind of how it starts and it ends, the dynamics part of it, and I can go into detail on all of this stuff. But without getting too deep in the weeds, what most people have done in sound design since since I got into this business is have sounds that are really aggressive. Everyone has approached sound design in the way that they would almost, it's almost like Vegas for lighting. It's just everything's bright and everything's in your face because they think that you need to hear it. And if I was to plot out a frequency response graph, I I could show you, we have like some captures from like the Amazon Fire Stick. So someone, when they create an Amazon Fire Stick, there's this giant peak in the most sensitive area of our hearing. It's actually where like a baby cry frequency is. And so what they've done, well-intentioned I think, is try to make something very audible but in trying to make it very audible, they've made it really aggressive. Yeah. And so we're surrounded by all of these sounds that are super aggressive and vying for our attention. And also uh, a lot of these sounds are so dominant over the content that you're watching so that most people like turn those sounds off. Back in the day, TiVo was one of the first to like have sounds. And I think, yeah, I don't know, like 80% of people turned them off when they could because they were like intrusive. They weren't actually mm. um, helpful. The best design sounds are ones that you feel as much as you hear. They're there guiding the experience. They're there and they just make the experience feel better and they connect you to it sort of in an intuitive, emotional way. And on the technical side, what they're usually doing is they're doing the opposite of what most people are doing. So people are putting these really like aggressive peaks that make it like in your face. Mm-hmm. They're doing the opposite. They're carving that stuff out. What are some mm. examples? You mentioned the credit card machine going eh, 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 and yeah. being a, an, an example of aggression. What's another one? That Amazon you know? Fire Stick. Every sound on there. When you press Aggressive. and hold like right, I think, or left on to navigate, it just starts going and it gets louder and louder. And I don't think anyone thought about the coding aspect of it because this is actually a huge part is like how the sound gets implemented into the platform. Mm. It's all well and good to make like a sound, but when someone moves right and it makes a sound, and so when you hold it down, the code says, 
move really fast, but no one did anything to the sound. So the sound is just clipping. It's just like literally getting like truncated each time hmm. and is like louder and louder and like aggressive. What are some other ones? Some that, other are, that are bad? <laughs> yeah, or aggressive, you know, as you say. Um, I think there, there was a lot of um, Android devices that I thought had some pretty aggressive sounds. That's the other thing is when you're designing sounds, I think that for, at least for I'll, I'll say what, what we try to do is make sure that it is uh, it goes to a mastering engineer that I really trust who is checking it on really small speakers because really small speakers are in mono most of the time. And they're also, there's no low end frequency. They can only represent sort of like the highest part of the frequency spectrum. Hmm. So if you're not planning for that, everything sounds loud. Everything sounds like really bright and aggressive. What about sounds that are not related to digital devices? Like the sound of when you go into a, a supermarket or something or, or a, a oh. convenience store and you hear some sort of sound. Ding That's dong. part of your world, no? Sure. Although most of the time that ends up being sort of like a, a branded immersive experience. We did the AT&T uh, One Powell store. It's like their flagship store in San Francisco. And when when you walk in, there's this ridiculous like 16k display and what happened and it's all these tracks that we've created they're part of the AT&T universe but when you you know when you walk into a convenience store and you hear just a boom boom yeah or something like that is that something that your company would maybe do it's what's, a good question what's some of the weirdest stuff you guys done then or answer that too but <laughs> we probably wouldn't make a sound for a convenience store door unless there was like a strategy that talked about that so we have done consulting for companies like like fast food and stuff like that where they're not considering that their ice machine is super loud or that their speaker is right over the head of people who are dining and is like super aggressive and loud and stuff like that um to the weirder stuff this is a good question because these days we're doing as much work in innovation technology as we are in sort of like the traditional, I'm saying traditional, but like sonic identity stuff. So uh, I had a chance to, to be part of the team who worked on the exterior sounds of the Nissan Leaf. That's an electric vehicle. All, mm. all electric vehicles by basically this year, anything coming out after this year, it has to emit a sound exterior because people were ostensibly getting hit by Priuses and stuff like that because they couldn't actually hear them. Oh, so them. just for the sound of driving? Accelerate and decelerate. There's a, there's a- Oh, they have to mimic an engine sound. Yes, and actually going back to like that idea, so we uh -huh. had a, a, a workshop, which is like, what does an EV sound like? Does this EV sound like a car? Does it sound like a Mustang? Or does it sound like something unique entirely? And what they ended up deciding or, or like moving to was something very organic and sort of very, it's almost like a voice, actually. I think they called it Kanto or something like that. It's like a, mm -hmm. it's like a, almost like a, a texture with a bunch of voices. And it starts at a certain pitch. And as you accelerate, it goes up in pitch. And then as you come down, it goes down. Really? Pitch. Yeah. Uh, this is for the Nissan Leaf? This is for the Nissan Leaf, yeah. Oh, and you worked on that? I was part of that team, yeah. So it, when it accelerates, it goes up in pitch. Yeah. Huh? So you, if you go, f the faster you accelerate, the... The faster it's tied to what the What is it sound? Point. What's the tone sound? Is it a tone? I mean, I, oh, I, you brought it? On YouTube. So this video, this is out in the world. What it starts with is the sound of reverse that we created for them. Um, which was also really challenging because there were no speakers on the rear of the car. They weren't anticipating any of this. And if you guys know, like car design is locked four to five years before a car comes out. Oh, wow. Oh, so essentially there was like two speakers, I think one in the front and one on the side. And so you have to make a, a reverse sound, but there's no speaker on the back. Of the right. Yeah. So the reverse sound is going to come out of their front speakers exactly. or side speakers. Yeah. But, so these cars, these electric cars have 
speakers on the exterior yeah for people to be able to hear the car many cars actually do have sound uh, have speakers on the exterior whether they're really used for for anything or not or you mean mean non-electronic cars or non-electric cars yeah i'll I'll defer to all my car friends who probably know more than me on that but at this point there are advanced or starting to become advanced speaker systems both on the exterior why would there be a speaker on the outside of a car i'm not sure okay yeah okay so let's hear it all right, here's uh, here's Nissan Kanto. So it starts, like I said, with the reverse sound, and then you'll hear the engine sound. Oh, that's backing up. <laughs> okay, hold on a second. That... <laughs> Wait a second. So, okay, the chiming looking sounding thing was backing up, and then the other one was accelerating? Yeah. It was like taking off the, into outer space. But so, we'll play that one more time. Nissan. Okay, but that wind noise is not part of it, right? They, they put a little sound design. That, yeah. that is not supposed to be in it. So it's just purely the just the tone. That, that, that textural yeah. tone yeah. that rises. Yeah. So that thing is going the whole time? From what I understand, <laughs> and I, I wasn't but there But you can't hear it inside the car, right? You can't hear it inside the car. But if you have your windows open, you can hear it? Yes. And so the reason that this whole gig came about is we were doing some work with uh, a partner agency called us Two. they're great they made monument valley if you've ever played that game those guys are awesome and at the time it was a discussion on the future sound of cities and how you can imagine and this was this was coming up like how do you have sounds of cars and how do you have cars communicate and create sort of harmony to each other and the big positioning that we were saying was you should have a car make sound when there's something to make sound for. So proximity detection, a car is coming up on a pedestrian, it can see that, it detects that, and it makes a sound. Mm-hmm. That doesn't exist yet. So instead of that, what we have is a bunch of cars that are gonna start making sound, every company's gonna have their own sound, every electric vehicle is gonna be driving around emitting sound as they accelerate and decelerate. It does sound very futuristic. I mean, it makes the car seem like a car of the future, that it yeah. makes this, futuristic sound that doesn't sound like a a regular engine. Sure. And you can imagine that other brands would want it to sound more like a combustion engine. If their thing is to try to like tie people in the market of like, no, your EV is as powerful and cool as your gas car, you Mm. want the sound to sort of be reflective of what you'd be driving of a gas car. So these sounds, purely they're being used for safety reasons, not because the car needs to make that sound or the whatever's generating power in the car is making it. It's just purely just it's purely for safety and it's a response from i think a perception that there were people getting injured by Mm -hmm. electric vehicles right can you control this the volume the the, how loud it is the user can't control any of that that stuff is is baked in (laughs) okay so (laughs) that's interesting yeah do you think that this is going to make traffic sound more (laughs) dramatic uh, i guess annoying my guess is... Or do you think it's going to sound cool? Um, th- th- it's a good question. I think if if we had been able to design... If, if we had had the opportunity to design what sounds were going to have some sort of um, standard, let's say, or some key or some sort of like uh, way that they could all tie together, 
you might have something that's very harmonious. I think what's going to happen is that every car is going to start emitting sound, and we're probably going to have some regulation that shows up in another five years, which says, okay, too much sound from EVs. Now they have to have proximity detection, and they can't make as much sound. It's still going to take 20 years or so for those cars to get off the street. Exactly. So. Okay, so you think that's going to happen. It, the, the sounds are going to be too <laughs> overbearing. Right? Well, I mean, to be honest, though, when if you were to hear this outside a Nissan Leaf, this is not a super loud sound. So even though an EV is going to be making sound for safety, there are plenty of cars or motorcycles which are far louder out there on the road. So even if you were to, like, let's just leapfrog to, like, 25 years in the future and it's autonomous electric vehicles that are all emitting sound, it's a different kind of soundscape than what we have right now. So it's not combustion loud. It's not sort of like someone on the motorcycle that's making a shit ton of noise. It's more of a combination of like digital sounds. Are you conscious of psychology when you are creating a sound? Yes, in that um, it, music is emotion. Music is the driver of the emotion of an experience. So in many ways, that's that's what music brings to any of these experiences is the emotion um, I certainly feel like a psychologist when we're doing um, work with clients because you're sort of doing a facilitated dialogue. And then a lot of that ends up, especially because you're talking about music and emotion, ends up feeling very um, psychological. Did you have to know anything about psychology or is it just from, is it intuitive or well, what? Well, um, so when I worked for Apple many years ago, I was part of a program called One to One, which was a training program. So we would train customers who would come in. And uh, part of that was all the trainers got sent to Cupertino to do a week-long training on facilitation, which was amazing and was definitely like life-changing. So, and there you learned about what tones and things. No, how, or no. At, at Apple, I just learned the process of being a facilitator. So, oh, a facilitator okay. is really about helping guide someone to an outcome, and you're there to help guide them as opposed to being an expert. So like a plumber is an expert. He's not teaching you or like helping you figure out why your plumbing is wrong. He's fixing your plumbing. But a facilitator is somebody who's there to kind of guide the process using their experience, using their knowledge and using the own person's experience and knowledge to help guide them mm. to their own decision and outcome. But how did you learn about what tones create different colors in people's minds and and stuff like that so, and, and mood on the musical side you know any of us who have been musicians for forever you know the the most basic of like you hear minor, minor major and exactly yeah. okay but there, is there anything a little more technical that you've learned about over the years where we're not talking about even harmonies here but just uh, sounds that are maybe on the less musical side and the sort of psychological effects of those well definitely in the in the world of user interface sound or brand navigation sound have learned a lot, um, both from the research and kind of experience. We did a, a global study, actually, which is called the Universal Navigation Study. So it was like, can you design the skeleton of certain interactions? So like, take all the color away, take all the like interesting sound design stuff, and can you just use simple sounds, almost like you'd hear from Google. Like Google has like those very simple, blippy type sounds. Mm. Can you design a, a set of sounds, put them in research globally, and get some feedback? And essentially at the end of the day, what I learned is you can basically tell three things to somebody. You can tell them negative, positive, or neutral. Mm. That, that is ubiquitous. Even in markets that are uh, traditionally really hard to understand, like Asian markets, which have a different connotation, usually musically, and also like, I guess, I guess most of Asia, India included. But you can say those things. You can intuit those three things to pretty much everybody. Do you feel like sounds that are a second or half a second long 
can tell a story? <laughs> I do. I do. And I, it's, it's, it's through actually doing the sound design. It's actually like designing sounds where it's, it really is miniature composition. It really okay, is like a little What's an example track. of that? Can you take us through, do you have an example of something where you could say, so here's really the beginning and the middle and the end, and it's the whole thing is a second. Sure, yeah. Do you uh, have that? Let's, let's go through a couple here. So I, so this is, um, here's a couple of sounds that, that they're just, they were part of demos of a, of a job that I was working on. I think these are directly from a, a medical device company. And so they were trying to come up with a palette of sounds that would work across all of their products. So like a cauterization tool as much as like a diagnostic tool, which is huge, by the way, because if you're unaware, uh, alarm fatigue is a huge issue in hospitals where there's all these devices making lots of random sounds and it's causing like cacophony and cortisol mm. spikes and all that stuff. So anyway, these were two different approaches. And this is actually a really good example of something that is more gestural and is more and is not tonal. And then something that is more tonal has sort of like a melodic component to it. So what you're going to play for us right now are... I'm gonna play three sounds in a row, and yeah. and the first one I'm gonna do. Well, there 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 are three gestures. Well, I'll just refer to them as gestures of like what they're trying to say. One's a confirm, one's a try again. Try again is like a ne a, a negative but a neutral negative. Right, right. You type like, your password in. It's not uh -uh. A, it, it's not it's wrong. Like a, uh -uh. It's just like a yeah. Try again. Yeah. Kind of thing. And then there's a notification. So this is a message. This is coming out to you. Okay. So there's three. Three of well, though, three per palette. This so is for a medical device. This was for a medical device yeah. company. Yeah. So this is, I'll do a confirm, try again, and notification in one palette. And then I'll do confirm, try again, and notification in a completely different palette. Mm. And uh, we'll describe those. We come okay, cool. All so, right. So let's start with, uh, I'll actually get, I'll, I'll use the names too. This palette we're going to call direct. Okay. All right. So you're going to hear confirm, try again, and notification. Okay. Confirm. Try again. <laughs> Notification. Okay. Yeah. Heads up, right? Uh -huh. Direct. These are these. That was what this palette was about. Not a lot of frill here. It's like this is like, this is like the the robot who's like really straightforward. Albert, who's just like, hello, what would you like? Right. Mm -hmm. So those. That's direct. You, you made these. I did not make these. Okay. My my boy Mickey Alexander. Huge shout out. He's an amazing sound designer. Uh -huh. He built these. You produced them though. I did. But you, these. you you yeah you oversaw. Yes. This other one, which I'm most happy with, was a concept we came up with called thunk. And the medical device thing didn't have any haptic feedback, so no vibrational response, which is surprising because when you're in a, a, a surgical environment, you've got gloves on, there's plastic, like you actually would want something to like vibrate to let you know. Right. So we thought, well, what if you could divine, des design a sound that felt like a haptic feedback? So we would almost make it where it would like hit the speaker and give you almost that kind of uh -huh. response. So here's in thunk, here's confirm. Here's try again. And here's a notification. There's a more percussive sound to this. They're percussive, they're less tonal. And the way that they were designed, this gets into the, these are actually were tuned to those devices speakers. So they were actually kind of designed to make them kind of like not distort necessarily, but have impact. So they're really sharp sounds as far as like the sharper. Yeah. Now going back to the say the first one, the confirm from the yeah. first one. Okay. Do you feel like that tells a story? And if so, can you describe that story? It, I mean, <laughs> it's a very can, brief it, story. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, this okay. So this confirm. It okay. does tell a story. Okay. There's a 
Yeah, describe the sound in detail. So there's there's two parts to the sound. Yes. There's an initial sound, yes. which is sort of like the bass line. Yeah. And mm. then there are two tones that are doing a, a very basic harmony. Okay. So that's the first. Let's see if I can actually just get it to... I'm going to isolate these if I can. Sure. So here's the first part of the sound. It's going to loop, so it's going to sound a little annoying. But Right. Right. So that's the first note. Duh. And then we have a second part. Right, right. That and nice. that's a little that's a little chord. Yeah. So in that confirm, we have sort of a, and actually to me, confirm is I was referring earlier to a check mark. That's what this sound is. Oh yeah. This sound is doing yeah. that gesture. Ooh, Boom, that's bing. Good. That's sort of yeah. It's you like could almost draw it. Out. It's almost yeah. It, it sounds like a check mark. Right. I find uh, it pleasing. Great. In fact, the first part of that sound is. A little sharper sounds like the beginning of the check, and then because the, the end of a check mark is a little more open. Yeah, and with the, that being a chord, I don't know, maybe that. Feels there's a also more. more open. There's more of a tail yeah. on the end of that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's more yeah. of a tail. Oh, and actually, even if you look at the sound wave, yeah, it visually almost looks like a check mark in a way, or totally. the way that check marks are in that the first part is the smaller part, and then there's the longer part, exactly. and then it's bigger. So was your boy Alexander, did he uh, make a bunch of more and you just pluck these noises out of it? Yes, and Mickey and I have worked together forever. And so through this process, as, as the producer who's kind of had this director of sonic design role, I've kind of like been in the place to sort of, I wouldn't say like completely define, but it's like you know what a confirm sounds like. Right. And a confirm, that's a great confirm because you can intuitively know something's good, something's done, something's yeah. happened. If there was to be a, a sort of narrative arc to this sound, What's the first act? Just that, okay, something's going to happen, and then something happened, and then it did. <laughs> or what? I mean, yes. what's, is that the yes. story that it told, or what? It, yeah. In, in musical terms, you could use the antecedent consequent type okay. approach. So it's like an, an antecedent consequent, you have like the start of the phrase and then the end of the phrase. This yeah. is true in like pop music, too. You know, my baby left me. Why'd she have to leave me? You know, like the sort of like the so antecedent consequent. So what is it? What is it here? This is the, uh, the other thing that's funny about sound design is like, and the reason it's like miniature composition is like the imagine a novel and you took page one and pay in the end, in the last page and you just they're now together. Mm. This the story has become just like the start and oh, end. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like we we we're here and then we're done. That's all there is yeah. to this. It's sort of like you start, you end. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I, I think I can do it, and I did it. And you did it. Right. I have now, belief in myself. And, and all that and, shit and in the can... middle is gone. So all that stuff that like right. all the development part of it. That's that we just took all that out. And it's like the story started and you won. Right. But now the try again yeah. tone or sound, it just sounded like a lower pitched version of Let me play it, it again. The oh, oh, oh. <laughs> don't know. Oh, it went down. It did go down. It, yeah. it, it, I actually it, and to be critical, this is this is not my favorite type of try again sound. My favorite type of try again is that same antecedent consequent where the first part, that first little note. Yeah. You have that, that's the same, but the last note should contain a little bit of dissonance. It should yeah. have a little bit of like rub of like two notes that don't belong together should be there. But this kind of ends on like the tonic in a way. Exactly, right? and, yeah. the, and the direct approach, this, this palette was to be as direct and simple as possible. So yeah, in some ways you could say, Going down could just no, as easily no. be sort of like the end. That yeah, could be a it, goodbye. This, this that's the one almost. It, it, I think it just it went from it's five, five one. to one. Yeah, so exactly. it just goes dun dun, and so one sounds like it's done. In a if way. I had Pro Tools open, I would duplicate the second note and I would pitch it up a half step. Yeah, and then we would have a little rub. We'd have a little dissonance on the end, and Wait, that would sorry. make it seem like more like hey. You've 
kind of failed. Just yeah, and and it doesn't have to be aggressively wrong, like the chip reader in your credit card. Right. It's just kind of like a heads up of like that doesn't sound done. That doesn't sound right, right. finished. Just, yeah. It's just right. drawing my attention that I have to do something. So this right. sounds too a little too finished. This is a little too finished. Uh huh. Interesting. Should be critical of this one. Uh, interesting. The, by the way, the last one. What were the notes on the last one? Uh, I think similar. I think it's a five one, but in this case. There's, it's going. Five it went five up to the octave. next, the, the next one, the one up, not the one down. Yeah. And the one down. I think it's got both. Oh, it notes did in both. It. Okay. Yeah. Let's listen to confirm again. Oh no, it's actually got the third. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, play it again. The, there's the major third in here too. Ah, hear the third. Oh, really? Oh, it's in, oh, that's the chord. Is that so, in, you know, da, da, so we basically have like a, I mean, I don't know what key this is in, but it's a C major, basically. So you yeah, got yeah, a yeah. five to a, so, to a so one. So it goes five to one and three at the yeah. same time. Okay. And that little bit of major. Is it three on top? I think so, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's And really now you got a little bit of major, too, so it's now you feel a little happy, right? You know what's really interesting about this, I think, is that we're hearing, actually, the musicality in this sound effect that didn't sound like music to me before, really. Right. I mean, I guess when we pay attention to this in more detail, we're hearing there is a musicality to it. That's an interesting. To, your, to your note earlier, that, like, that we're hearing. It's interesting that we're hearing five, and then we're hearing a chord that's made of one and three. To your point earlier, when you were asking about, do you like what level of detail? This is the level of detail that you start to get in when you start to design these sounds. Right. It's like, and and I forget that people dismiss these sounds entirely. It's almost like they're not really heard. It's like. A sound like no one's even considering, and they what it certainly is. don't think of them in musical terms. Really, right. uh, even people who know music aren't thinking of them. They're not thinking of them in terms of resolution and right. fives and ones and, and yeah. so forth. You know, or intervals. You know, we're not thinking sure. of the intervals either. We're thinking we just heard a sound effect that just sounded like a sound effect, and that's it. So uh, another good example is like that. Confirm the there was a, a a project I worked on for a let's just call them a financial institution. They had a bunch of alerts that had to have varying degrees of urgency. So for one of the alerts, it was like a five, but it's like a, the one chord wasn't a one and the three major. It was one, four, five. So it was like a sustained sound. Doesn't yeah. actually have a resolution. And that, again, was sort of like an alert of like something's not finished. And so it kind of like draws your attention. Yeah. And then the level of urgency above that kind of added, I think, like the flat six and more dissonance to it. So as wow. you continue to add more and more dissonance and more and more stacked information, as a as a user, you start to pay attention more or, th or think that things are more wrong. So when it comes to creating sounds, you're really implementing a lot of music theory in there as well. Absolutely, this this really is like musical composition in miniature. Yeah, and even micro. like micro, exactly and micro, you, and level. even like you'd build a there's there's an intro and there's a there's an end. So, sounds can be longer too. Sonic logos are the the next step beyond. So in a user interface sound, you've got this little one second sound. A sonic logo because you have maybe like four notes. Now you have time for a setup, sort of like maybe a, a transitional sound, could be a reverse symbol or something like that. Do you like think that. that there's a little bit of a story behind, I mean, we know where the at t thing came from, the sonic logo of that, but yeah. e even in those four notes, can you hear a, a full story kind of? I mean, I, I guess we can, it's actually pretty obvious, but I mean. Well, I, I'll speak more to the evolution of that logo because I was directly involved on producing that. And what was interesting, and I think where, where my boss Joel had like the strong POV was, the notes were the same because they were the same. They were the same four, collection of four notes, but what changed was the context around them. Hmm. So in the first logo, there's like a, a reverse sound, there's like a little bit of hi-hat, and then there's a snap at the end. It's like oh. this very iconic snap. In the newer version, there was all these really interesting sound design elements that we had. So like I, I had this 
uh, intro or this transitional element, which was almost like a reverse synth that brought you in. And there were all these like textures and colors that were underneath there. Unless I actually like had the session and soloed them, you'd never know. You'd never be like, oh, I hear the synth pad part and sort of like the air aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But if I showed you the session and played them, then you'd see that there's all of this color that's surrounding the notes. And that's actually what's doing the job of giving you the the feel of the brand. It's not just the notes anymore because the notes are at this point AT&T. It'd be the same if I like colored the notes with like a quick drumline hit and like a big stadium stomp and someone going like, uh, mm -hmm. that would be like the stadium version right. of the logo. So it's actually the context in which the notes are mm -hmm. happening kind of tell you the story. What else did you bring? The So that approach was, was what I would refer to as a sonic design concept approach. So we came up with the idea of thunk and we came up with the idea of direct and there was another one called air. So that was that's how that's designing sounds for lack of a better term in a vacuum. So it's like I'm talking to a sound designer, my boy Mickey. I got this idea, thunk. It needs to sound like it's hitting the speaker and he's like, "Oh, great." So he comes with a whole palette of that and a whole palette of this. Okay, we were talking about sort of the compositional aspects of it. Let's talk about the instrumentation, I guess, or whatever, sure. the the I don't know, that aesthetic, you know. So Actually, go back to the original one, sure. actually, real quick. Um, you can just, you don't have to no, put it into that other program, but yeah. I'm just kind of curious about what's, what is that sound? It could be a lot of things. I would have to ask Mickey, when I'm designing sounds, there's usually a combination of a lot of different elements, and those could either be uh, a virtual instrument, like a virtual synthesizer, mm -hmm. maybe a sine wave, maybe something like very simple like that, very clean mm -hmm. and pure, or I'd want something that has a lot more texture, or a sampled instrument, like like a sampled piano or a yeah. sampled guitar, and or uh, there's tons of libraries, like I referenced Splice earlier, which I think is an amazing library. You pay a subscription, you have access to like thousands and hundreds of thousands of samples that you can download. So I may grab clicks from that library. I might grab like samples of a sine wave from that library. And all of those elements you're bringing in to a session and just moving them around until they're making these gestures. Okay, so now play the uh, the other one, the thunk one. Sure, so thunk similarly could be just a percussive sound. Also, knowing Mickey, who's an amazing sound designer on his own, could have taken a synth and processed the hell out of it with a million different mm -hmm. plugins that removed all those sounds and made it really sharp and made it really um, thunky, for lack of a better right. word. Well, so, it sounds, wood. there's a wood, wooden, yeah. wood you know. It's, so here's uh, that confirmed from thunk. Okay, hold on a second. That's a different a melody too. Actually. Definitely. That's all Wait. I'm hearing. Da -da. Da -da. Oh, that's what it is. Play it again. Da -da. So actually, da -da. that is actually the same melodic content as the other confirm. Do you hear the bottom note too? The do, the tonic and the. the oh last yeah. Note? Okay. Yeah. De do. And then there's da da. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And you can even see on the waveform. Look at how short those are. Look how truncated right. they are. Those well, look like drum hits because right, that's right. what that's what those basically right, are. Right, right. They just have some melodic component to it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, how did he get that progressive sound in there? You think? I'd have to ask Mickey. Yeah. And that might be a combination of things too. It could be a combination of things. My guess is that's not because the there's a certain level of complexity as soon as you add other sound sources together. My guess is this is one sound source that has some additional processing on it, but I don't think there's multiple. Do you think he got that off of Splice? Mm, if the I'm, sample. If I know Mickey, no. I think he has a virtual instrument pulled up, and uh -huh. he's using that with a bunch of processing. Okay. So what else did you bring? So that was I was sort of saying that was like a, a sonic design concept. That's a way of like. Here's an idea. Here's sort of like a way to think about a palette and create all that. The other way that we would work would be a thematic approach. So this is uh, 
there i'm gonna play a theme this is like a, a really short theme it's like a 30 second theme okay. this is again mickey actually i'll give a shout out to mickey okay, yeah. i love this guy <laughs> um the theme is a short piece of music an instrumental piece of music this one i think has been through a couple different jobs unfortunately it hasn't gotten bought but it has a certain thing to it and so we're gonna play the theme and then after that I'm going to show two sounds that were derived from the theme, a welcome, almost like an app launch, or if you were to like starting an experience. And then the other one is a secure sound, sound security. So imagine like you purchase something and you want to make sure that that sounds secure. So the theme itself, I think is like 30 seconds. So this theme, so this is just music. This is music. I mean, this is more music in a more traditional sense, I guess. Yes. Although this particular theme, I wouldn't call traditional. I would say it's, um, I would, I'll call this hybrid. Okay. And, and a lot of times hybrid, in this world, really? yeah, the hybrid, it's sort of like there are what may be perceived as organic textures and like more digital textures happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Okay, yeah. Let's check it out. So this is the theme. kind of a cute one yeah and, and mickey composed this mickey composed this. Yeah. nice and I, I think this is you know it's been through a lot of different brands so like everything kind of starts to have like lots of different you mean it we got licensed or something like that no or? i mean it's been a it was a demo on a on a couple different jobs oh, and it okay. didn't end up ultimately winning got but it. that doesn't really matter that you never know what's gonna are you allowed to say one. what they were it was up for? i am not allowed to say what okay yeah for. <laughs> uh, one of them was a streaming platform okay so that's kind of that's kind of where some of this stuff came from where would that have been used nowhere nowhere because that would have the, in this particular case and you heard lots of like little sound design elements in there right there was like a little mm -hmm. tinkling thing in the background some drums came in at some point there was a piano but there was all these like reversey textures happening sounded mm -hmm. like stuff in reverse these are built almost in a way of like creating sounds that you could then extract and make user interface sounds out got of, it or logos wow. so for example this is the welcome that came out of that So you can hear how that's the same color and vibe. It's like pulling some of the pieces out. I'll play it again. And it's pulling you into the world. Yeah, exactly. You know that. Exactly. It's kind of brought you in. Yeah. Right. Which is what a welcome really should be. It should be like your, hmm. a lot of times, especially like on a platform, that sound is the first thing that someone's going to hear right. when they start that. So that's yep. really important. Like when oh. they click on the app. Or yeah, or like a, let's say you, you bought like a like a like a cable box. You plug it in for the first time, or there's like a technician sitting there who's like you know working through all your stuff, and then, boom, boots up, and then on screen there's oh. like the logo or something. That's the first sound that you. Hear. It almost kind of sounds like the Macintosh startup. Sure, reminiscent it? of that kind of like very like warm kind of draw you in type sound, and then the other sound that we derived from this was a secure sound. Can you hear me one more time? Sure. Mm. So again, an, another fragment of pieces from that track that was brought so out there. Who, who plucked that one? Or who plucked the, both those? Did you do you or the 
place you're trying. Yeah, to who get. plucks it from that thing? You mean who who like who made these? No, no. Who, who decided from the oh. from the thirty second piece? Who thought? Okay, let's get that and make that the welcome. see that as the welcome. Yeah, the, yeah. The, all of this is a team effort. So I may have an I have a lot of editors that I love, and right. there are certain editors who I'd be like, okay, here's the track, here's the stems. So this is sort of like the elements, the individual elements. So a composer's writing at home, writes the theme. At a certain point, he sends us the individual elements: drum stem one, drum stem two, percussion, jingles, piano. And I hire my editor and I say, okay, cut me some sounds out of this. Cut me a secure mm. sound. We need a welcome sound, maybe a confirmed sound. And they're going through and they're just editing tons of little sounds. And then I'm going back and I'm reviewing all those and then making some changes or, or adding or and, eliminating. Nice. And so do you ever like listen to them and you're like, oh, absolutely not. And then you, <laughs> then you go, wait, a few minutes later, you're like, God, what about that sound I heard earlier? I don't know why. I want to go back to that one. Sure. And then, and then it kind of lingered with you. And then you ended up using it for something that you didn't think you would use. Sure, and like anything, like it's so easy to burn out, and it's so easy when you're, especially short form sound. If you're listening to like packages of tons of short form sound, it's really easy to just get like, it's like looking at color swatches. You know, at a certain point, like you can't tell if it's turquoise or light blue. It's all the same mm -hmm. thing. So I always do sort of like the fresh ears in the morning kind of thing of like right. go back and listen. Do they ever like kind of surprise you? Like they put the sound somewhere in your life almost like to give you a fresh angle on it, like. How do I say that? Like, let's say you open up your computer at work and they snuck the sound in there. <laughs> you know, that that has not happened. But I would love if someone would sneak their sounds into an experience. I think that'd be very cool. I, I am surprised at times. There are like, it, like anything, especially when you know your your craft or something like that, you hear it and you just immediately know mm -hmm. that's a sick confirmed sound. <laughs> you know, in my world, that that sort of is the oh, thing. Like nice. you just know that they've nailed it. So now you're paying attention to every sound zippers yeah. and so forth and <laughs> yeah. when you flick the light switch on or whatever yeah. that is what does that do to your life <laughs> uh it enriches it i think oh, really? like yeah. I, I would say like not just uh, does it myself. make you kind of appreciate the sounds more or does it make you go crazy a little bit i, I, it, I don't think crazy, it makes you go I mean, crazy though like when i lived in new york i lived in new york for many years that's where i started with man-made um New York was too much as far as like sound. So like working all day and listening to music, I would go home with earplugs in and not listen to music. And I definitely needed that break from it. But I mean, we do this with clients too all the time. And I, and I can't tell you the amount of times where like the next meeting they'll be like, oh, I went home, I turned on my toaster and it made a sound and I was like, oh, I hear it now. You know, it's sort right. of like, it, it like opens you up. I think, I think sound is the most underappreciated sense that we have because uh. it's like it's first of all it's always on unless you're wearing earplugs i guess it's like it's always on it's our organizer of any other sense it tells us whether something's behind us or not and ultimately it's the well actually not ultimately is the fastest sense that we perceive so the first thing that you perceive in any experience is sound and it's actually going straight through your neocortex and basically it's just hitting your nervous system sound is faster than light sound is faster than vision yes but vision is light. Maybe basically. not transmission, but let's talk about like your, uh, your but, human uh, receptive receiving. Yeah, your 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 uh, uh, processing of it. Yes. Okay. You can you, can, you perceive processing. sound fast fastest. I think touch is next. We have some, you know, really. Data on so that sound stuff as is well. the you process sound the fastest. You process sound the fastest is the mm. first thing that you perceive. Ah. There's like mm. a Joel has this story he always talks about with like um, uh, horror movies that like if you like let's say it's like a you know the slasher type movie right. The, if you actually have the sound with the visual, in some ways you give away the gag because you actually hear it before you see it. So you actually mm. need to make the sound oh. almost happen late to have it actually like be impactful. Oh. You should like almost see the slash and then have like the sound kind of behind oh, it. Otherwise yeah. you like 
give it away. That's that's how we were designed. We were designed to have that like 360 positional awareness via sound so that we didn't get eaten and right. we could also like stock things and stock our yeah, prey. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Do you hear musicality in things that are not music, like zippers and light <laughs> switches and stuff? <laughs> yeah. You do? Yeah. Also, like car engines, anything that has... The really? Other, car well, engines, so we, yeah. we've been talking a lot about short form sound. The other place that, that, that I do a lot of work is in, like, I would say sort of like extreme long form sound, which we call ambiences. These are things that could be looping in infinitively infinitive infinitely infinitely, infinitely. <laughs> that's infinitely. the word they're they're looping and they're they're providing a couple different um uh benefits one would be like noise masking like in if they're this is a really quiet room but if there was like an, an air conditioner and we were here and this was like a brand store having an ambience playing with like some musicality and maybe some like uh no, natural sounding noise elements wind stuff like that but it's barely audible what that's doing is masking the other sounds that are in there and also providing kind of like a little emotionality. It's it's the idea of like why they have ambiences going on in spas, except in spas they're like way forward and like you're really aware of this like Zen music that's going on. But ambiences also play an interesting role. And so when I'm hearing sounds that are just continuous, that's another fascinating area because you can get lost in the sea of this sound that and is you going. do. Definitely the fans and things. The, yeah, or the, the, the two. I, I live in Glendale now on Verdugo Road, like right by the two. And the two has a has a sound. It has really? a din. It has a certain and you get like lost color in it? to it. There's a park nearby where my girlfriend and I go walk. And, and it's it's easy to just kind of hear this like both evolving sound. Like in, you could hear individual cars. But if you just kind of conceptually step back, you just hear this sea of mm. sound. You like on. getting lost in it. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, from the early, the reason I'm in music, in music at all is my, um, I think my stepdad had a record player and, and a pair of speakers and like I, I stole it as soon as I could and brought it to my bedroom. And before I knew anything about music, I was just fascinated and really physiologically affected by sound, by actual just sound itself. So I would put on headphones and hear these, you know, jazz records and stuff like that. I didn't know anything about jazz. I didn't know anything about music, but just the the color of like Charles Mingus's bass or like these mm-hmm. chords that would happen just moved me emotionally. So it, it really is getting lost. Yeah, I love getting lost. Do you think it's almost like in a store where they kind of drown out the wind or the air conditioning, and but they, they're using music, like a sound to kind of get, get you lost? Is it almost like they're manipulating a little bit? They, like can they kind of, can, can they like subtly like make you more vulnerable or more <laughs> well guide you and i will say this ambiences it, we did we did another study of like on hold mm-hmm. so we did a study of like what makes people perceive time the first was like no sound the next was like someone reading a story the next was like music with a pulse i don't know if it was like an edm track or something like that, but mm-hmm. is it, it, it a track that had pulse and the and the, the last was ambience and ambience by far and away had people lose their sense of time because if there's no perceivable pulse and there's even a story you're lost now in a narrative so you're drawn into a, a storyline or a vocal or something like that but the ambience you just lose yourself it's almost like a a, a version of stasis almost because mm-hmm. that thing is just going on there's no start and end point you don't know how much time has elapsed mm-hmm. so it's manipulative in the sense that it can manipulate your perception of time both mm-hmm. if you were in a line at like a uh, a theme park or something like that right. or if you're stuck on hold which is brutal for all of us and that's a way to kind of help people stay passive is it hard for you to sleep no i sleep great okay <laughs> uh, reason being is when you're in bed and you're just automatically uh, oh perception too, of sound. too aware of the sounds that or the absence of sounds that are going on and wherever you are 
uh, that that might be. That's hard a great. That's a great question. I for the longest time had to sleep with a fan or some sort of white noise going on, and actually the fan was my preference, not a white noise machine. And actually, digital white noise I really dislike. But there are acoustic noise sources or like uh, privacy fans, almost like they have in like a psychologist's offices and stuff like that. Those are great. Um, but uh, my girlfriend has also been helpful and sort of she encouraged me to start wearing earplugs. We have a cat who like at seven a.m. starts you know, constantly going, like goes under the door and just like constantly meows to try to get fed. Mm. So these days I actually wear earplugs and yeah, it helps block all that stuff out. Yeah, you need that. I need that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you ever get inspired by like sounds out in nature? Like the Definitely. Way, and Definitely. do you, you think, ooh, that could, that monkey made a noise. I could, I could, <laughs> I could do something with that. I, it's actually, there. there is a lot of times where I wish I had a field recorder. You just hear something crazy or some, it's actually less about <laughs> like, a, a single sound source and it's more about how things interact together mm. like in new york all the That's time cool. it would be like the car horn that hits at the or i'd be like even listening to music and the car horn would hit and it'd be in the same key as the song and that combination was just super sick or when you're driving in your car and the wipers are going and they happen to be in the rhythm mm-hmm. of the song that you're listening to and then you're like then it's then you're enveloped in the sound of that That's but cool. natural sounds i love and if i can anytime i'm building an ambience if i can I want to infuse some natural sound because it has that variation. It has that sort of uh, in- unpredictability in it that we, I think, find you know natural. Have yeah. you invented new sound? Uh, have you invented? A, <laughs> have you invented a new sound? Have I personally invented a new sound? Yeah. How do you know if it is a new sound? Well, and I guess what I mean by that is not the composition. We're not talking about the composition, I guess, but the aesthetic quality of a song have you invented a new texture have you ever ever, yeah yeah is that possible how do you do that well okay to to your point how can i know for sure i don't think there's any way to know for sure but but going back to kind of like my love of sound the the way that i approach composition mixing mastering i mean not mastering but mixing or or producing is in literally the sound of the sounds themselves and sort of like the the interesting way that sound can be processed and, and to add variation and texture. So I I would say that yes, there are sounds that I've probably made that I mean but You've never I, heard before. That I haven't heard before. Yeah. yeah. But it's a it's a process of both the sound source, which might be multiple sound sources, the ways in which you process all of those sound sources individually, the way in which all of those combine together and then are also processed. That is what ends up making a a unique culmination of sound. Have you ever created a bank of sound samples that one could use to play on a keyboard or something? I have made samples, yes. Um, I, my, my love of sampling was more in drums, so I sampled a bunch of drums or like created a bunch of different textured... I'm, I'm a saxophone player originally. That's, yeah. that's, that's my trade, and what I've been meaning to do one of these days is create a sample pack for saxophone because there's a very... And I, I haven't found a lot of great... But have you ever created packs? a sample pack that was not a real instrument? Maybe it was a synthesized sound that you had never heard before? Not a sample pack. Uh-huh. No. And actually that's tough too cuz like the only way that I could see like it's either ex- it's actually your it's extreme processing and multiple sound sources that to me is the way that you would make something that's really unique and distinct. Everyone's mm-hmm. got every instrument now. Everyone's got access to every type of sound. So it's only in the ways that you can combine and manipulate those to make them mm-hmm. I think truly unique. Mm-hmm. Which is the benefit. Like we all now have beautiful sounds for very little money. So the, the the tools are there. It's really just about like your own creation. I got a question. <laughs> Hit me. Okay. You said that there's basically three 
kinds of sounds. There's oh, positive, yes, neutral, no, and yeah. neutral, right? Yeah. Is there anything else? There definitely is others. Is there a scary sound? There is. There, um, is there, you know, stuff, something like that or something that's happy or something? Oh, I guess the yes is a sort of happy sound, I guess, but... Um, there are definitely scary sounds. I guess um, scary would be a no sound or a negative sound. Well, we actually, there's another study that we did, which is called the, the sonic humanism spectrum. And they, through this, this company, the implicit association testing did a, a, a mapping out a graph on what's called an emotional appeal of a bunch of sounds out in the world. Like a baby laugh, a baby laughter scores highest among any sound that we tested. Uh, so for like, what? To score what? What do you mean? Unlike like emotional appeal. So how people oh, really? respond people, to it emotionally. Yeah. Everybody seems to love hmm. a baby laughter. Honestly, I find it a little creepy. If you ever like hear the baby laughter sound like from that, it sounds a little creepy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, maybe I'm just weird. On the far end side, almost everyone reacts super negatively to a human screaming in pain uh-huh. or the sound of nails on the chalkboard. Those are right. two things. Um, but in your, in designing sounds, there's absolutely other sounds like the, that same financial company when well, we were, yeah. well, we were talking about alerts and they were like, and, and I was like, how many levels of alerts? And they were kind of going through levels. And I was like, do you actually want a sound that would sort of be like, there's a shooter in the building? And they were like, yeah. And so oh, really? we designed essentially like, if you can imagine like almost like a call of duty type sound of like, shit, there's a shooter in the building type of alarm. W- what does that sound like? I wish I had it handy. It's but a very urgent. You... It's it's not too far away from sort of like imagine the loudspeaker of like a of like a prison, you know, eh, eh, kind of thing going yeah. off. But but more stylized and much to the point of what I was making earlier, much less harsh in the way of like you you're not you don't just want that sound to stop. It just connotes that shit has gone really wrong. Is there a sound that can make one feel amorous, amorous. Ro- feeling romantic? I think that depends on the person. Oh, okay. But there's no kind of universal sound like that? You know, whether you love like the slow jams or whether you just need like a very sweet... <laughs> I'm just talking seven. one sound, a, one little sound, you know, sound like of one love. second sound. Yeah, what's the sound of love in one second? Mm. I, I think uh, I, I can I can envision it, but I would have to, to work S- on it. Strings probably, right? Maybe. I actually think it's... No, I actually think it's a like a warm... Rhodes. Key, yeah, exactly. Electric piano. Okay, Yeah, just like a nice a nice like warm chord. Maybe, oh, maybe right. some sub bass in there. Oh, yeah. Although I often leave basses out of device sounds because if they're going to play back on a laptop, you're not going to hear any of those. So stuff. you leave bass sounds out usually. The, if, there's, if I'm designing for a system, you want to know how many different platforms it's on. Is it mobile and tablet and laptop and 10 foot? 10 foot usually refers to like an entertainment platform. Yeah. You might design a couple different versions. So like the one that, or even like a remote control, we had this one where we had to make like, there's like this tiny speaker on the remote. So when you push the button, oh, really? to push to talk, it makes a sound. There's that, or it's like if they've got a sub, yes, you want to use it. If it's multi-platform, then do you just sort of stick to the higher register stuff? Because yeah, the, they all most speakers are going to cut off at like 300 hertz, 200 hertz, something like that on the low end. And also, there's no need to have the very top end of the spectrum. That's basically noise and brightness and hiss. And that's actually what we learned a lot from doing that audit is that Apple TV is kind of truncated, which means it would sound great on that TV or a giant TV with a with a huge sound system or on a laptop or mm. on a phone. So they actually made it, they designed it where it would be really consistent on any device. Do you ever see live music? And if so, are you <laughs> very critical of the sound mixing? I do see live music. I am. I was, I was very critical of live music in New York because it was excruciatingly loud everywhere all the time. Like I'd be playing gigs or at like pianos or something like that. And it's just blastingly loud. So even, so 
even as a performer or even as an audience member, they're like ridiculously loud. In moving to LA, I think uh, in my experience, much better live sound I hear across the board. Uh, the Echo, I think, is in Echo Park or something mm-hmm. like that. Fantastic sounding venue. Really? I thought that was great. Um, I also have some friends who are great live sound engineers. I'm not a live sound engineer. I'm more of like a, a mixing engineer, but I have a lot of respect for, for what live sound engineers have to deal with in a space feedback and Coachella style. Like, <laughs> that's a, that's even more. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Uh, what about singers? Do you ever use them? Yeah. I, I mean, okay. on, in addition to the work that I do for man-made, I also, uh, am a producer of pop music. It's kind of my favorite is doing like kind of dark electro pop. So I, I love working with singers. I love working with female vocalists, especially. Oh, nice. Um, but do you ever use singers for the sound effects? Oh, um, no, the only, the closest thing was uh, we had a job where we were trying to create personalities for a robotic product, mm-hmm. let's say. And I think I had some recordings of it was supposed to be a personality. So you're supposed to have like almost like you imagine like BB-8 or like R2-D2 type approach. Right. And I had these recordings of uh, children or like uh, little kids saying phrases. And I processed them through this um plugin that basically turns them into like a synthesizer hmm. so they were like hey stop it it'd be like bleh, 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 you know and you sort oh, of use yeah, that yeah. as like so you 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 take all of the envelope informant of the vocal but it's not a vocal at the end of the day it ends up kind of sounding like a device sound but i've never brought a vocalist in for that specifically though we have used vocalists on a ton of our work for what we call like vocal textures those could be oohs and ahs or just like sound and having the voice in there just kind of gives like a, a human quality to the tracks hmm. you ever you ever th- you ever come up with a sound and you're like damn this could be good for like a slot machine <laughs> or something like that and then you like go out and you go you go to them and go look i got something good if you guys want I, I've, this I've, I've never pitched a, a sound directly to someone uh no no it's because it's because the the aspects never it's never really that it's never like that sound is great mm-hmm. it's more about like you learn about the brand, what the brand stands for, what the brand actually is, what the what the brand's emotion is, and then you start designing. So like I could hear a sound and be like, that would be great for Apple, I guess. But if I actually went to Apple and like talked to them for a while, I might be like, you know what, that's not actually what they want to be. It's what I think they might want to be, but that's not actually what they want to But sometimes you need to tell like. them what they want to be. Sometimes you need to present them options of what they could be. <laughs> now, sometimes it's easy to come up with a sound because it's just trying to mimic a real life sound, right? Sure. And, and, that, and then you, so you know the direction that you need to go in. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Although that depends too. Like if it's a, on this other brand that has, is like a streaming platform we worked on, they also have a, um, uh, a home product. So it's like their security product, you know? And ultimately we ended up with some really beautiful sounds for unlocking and unlocking the security system, which, I wouldn't naturally have thought going into that job. They don't sound like the, a lock. They have a little bit of the connotation of lock, but they're more melodic than that. They uh-huh. actually sound really um, refreshing, if anything. You don't have that. I yeah. don't have that. I, yeah. I couldn't play that one either. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's good stuff. What's Okay, have you done, you probably can't say what they are, but have you done, have you worked on sounds that we have heard in the world that are pretty well known? Definitely. Uh-huh. No, there's you're, so, you're so there's, and, you're not, the and you can't say. There, I, there, many of them I can't. There's like pretty strict NDAs. I'm very proud of one particular sound that you will all hear everywhere a lot. 
That's oh, a, that hasn't, actually, come, hasn't come out that yet. That I actually wrote and designed. Oh, you designed out too. as a designer on, yeah. And it hasn't come out yet. It ha it's just starting to come out, and I certainly can't tell you what that is. Sure, but, sure. Okay. But, it is, but I'm very proud of it because yeah. it has scored exceptionally high in the research, better better than all the competitors in market. Nice. It's like the only place I have to actually talk about this because I'm yes. under NDA. Yeah, this but I'm is very cool. proud that I've created a sound that is do is performing better than all the other sounds in market like that. Damn, and that's, that's gonna, exciting. That's going to incept the psyches of everyone probably pretty much in in the country everyone will hear this sound a lot in the country in the country oh my gosh and globally. beyond well it is yeah it's a it's a global company it's a global thing oh yes. man this is big so the, <laughs> this is this, this is this, my version of a hit this, this is, is my version huge. of like a hit Dude, is this the like most a... uh is this the biggest sound you've ever done and, this and not is big, the biggest yeah. This is by far the most impactful sound that I've ever heard. Impactful, yes. yes. As did far really? as like reach. Yes. Did you have a party for this? Like the I did not. It? I did not. It's still dropping right now. It's it's dro it's still hot oh. right now, yeah. But Do you think it's going to change you a little or no? No. <laughs> Will it change your demand as a producer designer? Uh, only if I... So it would only do that if I like left man-made and wanted to go full-time into sound design, which I would not do at this point because it's a... I, I love our sound designers, but that's a really difficult role to do. Do you prefer in. producing or designing? That's a really good question. I prefer designing. Uh-huh. If I if I mm. could have a job where like I was getting enough work to make the salary that I do to just make sounds and design sounds, I would do that all the time. Oh, you, the producing is makes more money at this point, yes. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not necessarily true. Uh -huh. There are probably sound designers at, at the top of the game who are definitely making more money than I am, but oh, yeah. but at this point I've found more success in being a producer than a sound designer. Going back to this big hit. <laughs> um, it's starting to come out. Yeah, and we certainly can't say what company or brand it's associated with, but I can't even really say can't the even market it's in. Yeah, you can't even say. I still have such a guess. What kind of thing it could be, or whatever. Yeah, we can't even like say. it could be even a new crosswalk sound. If we... all, all I'll say <laughs> is it's a sound that that, uh, you... that that it's a sound that that someone would regularly hear in. In their life, oh my yes. god! <laughs> you'll, you'll hear it, and you'd hear it in advertisement, and you'd hear it in interactions. Let's say that you would maybe even hear it in advertisements. Yes. Oh, so you you would hear it in? I ad. think it's actually already on advertisements. But it's also in you hear it in the real world too. Not this is on actually a good point, by the way. Of um, wow. in advertisements, it used to be that the Sonic logo was like the big deal, right? That's your Sonic identifier. But if you think about companies like Apple, Apple doesn't have an Apple logo, yeah. but you know Apple Pay. And if you heard Apple Pay anywhere, you'd know that that was Apple Pay. And so Apple Pay is showing up on commercials. Oh. So we're moving into a world where the sounds, the device sounds of a product are becoming as recognizable, if not more recognizable to the brand oh. than like Sonic logos themselves. Wow. You're excited about this, big, the big sound? Yeah. It's great. That's pretty fun. And, I mean, do you, like, do you feel I'm like, so excited do you think you. that, do you feel <laughs> you. excited because something you created is having such a widespread reach. Yes. And that you are in some ways affecting everybody's life. I, I would, <laughs> I, well, I'd like to say is that um, uh, uh, esoteric. To be honest, the reason that I'm most pumped is that the research said it's outperforming other oh, sounds. Oh, right. Because I've done this now oh, for well, a really long time. How does that mean by outperform? What does that mean? So it's sort of like uh, that emotional appeal scale and sort of like the intuitive nature of the sound mm -hmm. that when we take a sound and we test it, it also gets tested against all the other sounds that are in its category in market right now. Right. So oh, so there are other things that you might hear the sound from from a different company. Like if we're taking the pay example, so like yeah. Apple has a pay sound, yeah, right? 
And then other companies are also, MasterCard came out with a pay sound. Mm -hmm. So Visa has a pay sound. And this is better Venmo than has a pay all sound. of them. All the ones that are in this. Okay. Then, right. Yeah. It, you mean it's appealing to people more? Uh, apparently. <laughs> so you mean it just makes them feel good or happy or something? It, it makes them feel good. And it has like all those like pushes the brand into the places it wants to get pushed. Yeah. Sort of like has like the recognition and stuff right. like that. That's fun. That's Damn. cool. <laughs> are you going to be you... able to tell people? I well I no I'm under NDA. I can wait, wait, never, wait, never. You can never tell anybody because in the future when it happens out in public on the street, you can't be like you know I did that. <laughs> well, uh, well, that's that's actually my next question is have you experienced the sound yourself yet? I have. Uh, in, in the well, world, oh, in the world, no. But on ad in an in ad. an advertisement, yes. Really, and yeah. out of the speaker that it came out of, did you like how it was all compressed and whatnot? Uh, they're actually <laughs> working on that. So the, oh, the were first... you critical of that? Well, I wasn't involved in that aspect. No, I know. But, yeah, right. Like so was... you, when you heard it on in the ad and whatever device that was, you were thinking, oh, that did not, that needs to be tweaked. But but my my colleagues do are already working on that part. Yeah. And, I, and I trust them implicitly to do yes. uh, all of that work. Right. Are you going to be thrilled when you hear this in, like, out in the totally. world? Totally. Oh, it's you It's the are? same. So like I, I, I did create the sound of the Southwest logo. So anytime you at the end of the Southwest spot. Oh, so you're allowed to say that. Clap, clap, ding. Yes, I hope wait, so. Wait, how does it go? Uh, let's hear this out. Oh, actually, oh, wait, is it here? Hang on. <laughs> That's you? Okay. You designed it? It's it's me and and Danny Venn, who's uh, my, my counterpart on the East Coast. She's amazing. The, what's hilarious about this, all you hear is clap, clap, and a ding. So yeah. Southwest at that time, they had, they owned that ding, essentially, or somehow they had been able to, like, mm. I is don't know. Is ding supposed to be when you call a the call button, stewardess? Exactly, on the mm. plane. So... What's I think the hilarious part about Southwest is that um, there's a great piece of music behind it. There's like a full track. There's like this cool, interesting, fun track behind it, and no one's gonna hear that ever. They're just gonna hear clap, clap, ding, and fine. That's what it ended up being, and that's what that's you what they wanted. Did you compose the the full track? I with Danny Venn, so we yeah. we both composed it. And together, did they yeah. change it at all after they plucked it? Do they change the clap clap? Like the clap clap being, did it get closer together, farther away? You know, they what I'm saying? didn't, they? and I don't think they could. I what think was sort the, of like, what was the track like? Uh, it was kind of like a rock track, actually. Really? Yeah, it's actually a great track. I, I'm I'm proud of that one. You're not allowed to play it. I don't think I have it handy. I don't think it actually exists anywhere. Uh -huh. uh, there is a <laughs> there is the sound design. Speaking of vocal, there is in there. Uh, I was in my apartment in in Brooklyn with my RE20 microphone, and I just yelled out, "Come on!" And that actually made it into the track, which I think is also pretty hilarious. Oh, really? So it's like a transitional oh, cool. element, yeah. Which doesn't live anywhere, and nobody knows except for right. people at Manmade. When do you hear that that logo sound? It's it runs at the end of spots. And it runs oh, it all does. the time. And it still does. Yeah, it's been going like six or seven years or something. Oh, really? Wow. Were you kind of excited about that? Absolutely. Yeah. That's was that, that your second? Is that your second biggest sound? That <laughs> that is my second biggest sound. Yeah. Really? That's uh. the one that um, I, I receive performance royalties on. So that's the one that oh, you get performance they royalties it, when they use that <laughs> when it's in this I, new I one. I mean, yeah. wait, do you, you're not going to get royalties right. from the new the one? The other right? sound I'm not. And here's why. Well, this yeah. is what's really interesting. So there's a there. Uh, AF, or without going too in, into too much detail, basically a logo has the ability to be tracked. And while it's tracked, performance rights organizations, in this case ASCAP or BMI or CSAC or one of those, I, I think I use ASCAP, is tracking that and then collecting money on that, which they are then paying to me. So like I'm getting some of that, as does Manmade, because Manmade is co-owner and co-creator of that. Wait, oh, wait. but oh, yeah. there's no mechanism right now to get paid anything for a device sound that happens anywhere, basically. Ah. So 
which is well what about when it's played in ads the one that same you, the thing new one you'd think there's still no mechanism to be able to have that be uh compensated through a performance right organization at this wait, point wait why is there that uh mostly because the at that time and i think actually through a lot of the work of uh my company and through joel's work they were able to to make sure that those things are tracked effectively and are and are so is this uh, registered as a piece of music with ASCAP or whatever? Yes, it, it's an asset. Yeah, there's actually also like um, all of our stuff goes through musicologists too to make sure it doesn't sound like someone else's work and oh. and has sort of like a whole. How does that catalog. not sound like someone else's work? Because it's so short that it could be. Well, th this yeah. all gets into a lot of law stuff, which I usually pass to my operations team and let them figure all that stuff out. But the the full track goes to a, a musicologist. And that essentially is like the intellectual property is protected. That that doesn't sound like somebody else. Got it. And then the logo comes out of that. I see. Yeah. yeah. And then also, I think there's some there's some talk these days too of like short form sounds. And as I'm mentioning, like those are becoming so ubiquitous now that there's going to be a mechanism to track them. There's got to be a mechanism to know that they're not infringing on someone else's copyright. Oh, actually, that's this new sound that you. Yeah. This new big one. Did that originally come from a longer piece? That, what can I say? That execution of that sound came from, is a variation of a logo that came from a long form piece of music. So the same thing I was talking about where there was a long form piece of music created, from that was derived a logo, mm -hmm. a sonic logo, and then from that, this sound was derived. Okay, and you didn't compose that. I didn't compose the track. The original track, no. and you didn't compose the, or you didn't, Derive that logo. The original I did not logo, derive that logo. But you derived this new sound from the the logo. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. And you did it by yourself. Uh well, I was. I it's it's interesting because I was the sound designer, but I was also produced. So oh, you produced it as well. I didn't produce it. I was. Oh, someone else at, at yeah, my yeah. company produced that, and then right. produced me as a composer sound designer. Well, I was going to ask you if you had dreams about sounds. Any ever like wake up and think, oh, that's it. I have had many dreams about music. Okay. I mean, not just sounds, but like music parts. And I always try to like go and try to like write down yeah. or like, and it, it's always gone. It's always like a disaster to yeah. try to remember that thing. I mean, the new sound thing is so exciting. It's so fun. I'm, I'm, I, I appreciate that you guys are excited because well, it's, 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 it's rare to like have someone understand what that actually means. Well, it's just interesting that you're going to have such, well, that you, I don't know, something you created is going to have that widespread of an impact in it. And yet people aren't also going to really notice it too exactly. in a weird way. No one's going to know. But yet it subconsciously will be there, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of an interesting feeling to think that you're having this sort of secret impact on people. Well, like the, you know, what, you know, the AT&T logo would play all the time. And for the longest time when it first went to air, I was like, that's my transition sound. And like, we worked on this with mm -hmm. a ton of people. Like, it's great to hear it there. Or the AT&T, uh, there's a lot of ringtones we created early on and those ringtones will still go out. And Danny, my, my counterpart... I remember her editing some of those back in the day, you know, so like, it's like knowing, it's like literally knowing the people and the composers that went to it. That's the other thing that I think is unfortunate is like, there are some incredible composers that we work with and incredible sound designers who are just there cranking in their bedrooms or studios or wherever. And in in my world, those are the hit makers, you know, those are the yeah. people who create like this amazing music that we get to, to sell to brands. So, um, at one point, will you be able to tell people? Probably not ever. I never. Think, I think I'm basically like under NDA, you know. Although, who knows how long? I should look at a contract and see how long. There's that no, 
I mean, after 20 years, you can't say I actually made that. <laughs> I would hope so. Right. I think in 20 years, no one would come after me. And at that point, there's probably so many different versions of that that right. would be adapted. So it wouldn't even really right. matter. Well, congratulations on Thank the new you. sound, on the new big sound. I, I appreciate and, uh, that. You know, uh, everyone can listen for it. You won't know what it is, <laughs> but, but, but hear a sound. You <laughs> probably are, will hear it. If anything, you Brett, probably are hearing the, it now. The, I hope that anybody listening to this takes away that there are really thoughtful, amazing people who are creating the sounds that we're hearing every day. And right. there's a lot that, that goes into All that. the sounds you take for granted or don't even know, or don't even not take for granted, but the sounds that you don't, you even, don't even notice. That's right. There's actually somebody who puts a lot of acute work into That's right. that sound. And it's um, uh, there's a lot that goes into producing that, that sound that you didn't even hear. That's right. <laughs> but you heard it on some subconscious level, at least. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Our guest has been Brian Sherman. Thank you to Donnie Devanian for being here. Our engineer is Aaron Bruntgart. If you like the program, you can go to iTunes and you can rate and review it. You can also go to the Facebook page. You can listen on SoundCloud. And you can go to All Things Comedy for other podcasts. My name is Brent Weinbach. The name of the program is Pointed Questions. Thank you for listening. <laughs>